It is always a privilege to bring the Word of God to you all through CDs and the Internet. And on behalf of all the people here at Rancho Baptist Church in Temecula, welcome. Pastor Matt is continuing his study in Mark's Gospel, teaching us to be disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ by following His example. While Pastor Matt is away for the weekend, our elder teacher, Eric Craig, will be teaching from Ephesians chapter 6, and we're looking at verses 10 through 20. Let's join Eric now in his sermon entitled, Standing Firm in Prayer. And now here's Eric. Uh, in high school and in college, I was a scuba diver. Might not seem to, to you like that now, and that is not the reason why I'm in the wheelchair. I am in the wheelchair because of MS, but I was able to scuba dive back then. Do you remember Sea Hunt, an old TV show? Do you remember Lloyd Bridges? That's right, Lloyd Bridges. As do you remember the name of the character? Mike Nelson. And I liked Mike. And Mike scuba dived, so I needed to, too. And uh, so I was inspired and used the most of my meager fortune at the time at age 15. And I bought my set of scuba gear, my sweatsuit, my fins, my tank, my regulator, my mask, the whole shoot match, weight belt and all. And I did scuba. Then in seminary, something happened which moved me to leave scuba behind. I saw a movie. Jaws. <laughs> And I got shark paranoia. The last time I remember, the, the summer after that movie, the last time I scuba dived was in a, off a small beach in Malibu in a small kelp bed. I just knew that there was a big shark from the movie right behind me. And he was going to make me lunch. As you can see in this photo, from the web, perhaps you've seen this before, there's a shark behind those two unknowing and uncaring, apparently, scuba divers. The story is that the son who took the picture scrammed right after he took the picture, and I don't know if he survived the parents' wrath, if the parents survived. Um, I understand that that's a fake photo, that it's photoshopped or something. But this one is real. This is, uh, as you can see, the guy in the kayak notices there's something behind him. This is off the coast of Africa, perhaps South Africa, where there are lots of large sharks. Um, I don't think that I have to be paranoid about sharks in this room. But there are individuals here, unseen, but very real, who want to do us harm. The big idea is this. We stand in the fight of our lives. While you stand, pray. If you want to use the notes in the bulletin, please do so. You can fill in the blanks. There will be lots of them because it's front and back. Don't lose your place in the notes, front and back. We stand the fight of our lives while you stand, pray. We're in Ephesians. Ephesians chapters 1 to 3 are intensely amazing doctrine. Very foundational. Excellent stuff. We will not go there. Ephesians 4 to 6. Good. Somebody got it. Very, pra- very practical. Step 
step-by-step instructions about the Christian walk. In chapter 4, we have steps about the Christian walk. This is chapter 4. You can read that, can't you? That's the entire chapter. As you will see, there are two words that are highlighted there in yellow. A little larger. Walk is the word. And twice in Ephesians chapter 4, it says this. In 4.1, it says, Therefore, the prisoner, I, the prisoner of the Lord, entreat you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, to walk in unity. And then in 4.17, This I say, therefore, and affirm together with the Lord, that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk, and the futility of their mind walk in holiness. Then we have chapter 5, and again, you see the words, walk, walk, walk. Because walk is the theme of chapters 4 and 5. Ephesians 5, 2. And walk in love, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. That's the walk in love. Then the walk in light in verse 8. Ephesians 5, 8. For you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. And then in 5.15, walk in wisdom, filled with the Spirit. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise. But in chapter 6, and there you see chapter 6 in a moment, there it is. Walk is no longer featured, now the word is stand. We've walked, we've walked, we've walked, until we get to apparently the battlefield. And when you get to the battlefield... You stand. You don't run away. You stand. And so we find in in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11, verse 11, put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Again, in verse in verse 13, therefore take up the full armor of God that you may be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. And verse 14, uh, stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Stand firm, therefore, he says. We stand in the fight of our lives while you stand. Pray. Verses 10 to 13, we are in the fight of our lives. Verse 10, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Be strong in the Lord. Now, i got to tell you that that is the premise of everything that is going to be said this morning. You must be strong in the Lord. We cannot be strong enough in ourselves. We need to find our strength in the Lord in order to be able to stand in the battle. Um, there's a whole sermon that can be preached there, but I will not preach it. I refuse to preach it, not right now, today, because I want to get to the last three verses of this section, verses 18 to 20. But first, verses 11 and 12, put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. We must put on God's armor in our fight with the devil with the devil and his fallen angels. We are fighting forces that are too great for us, but they are not too great for the Lord. 
We need God's armor, all of it, in order to stand firm against the methods, the methodia, the methodias, the uh, schemes of the devil in verse 11. Angels are watching us, according to 1 Peter 1.12. Write that down, 1 Peter 1.12, great verse. And also, we are testifying of, of grace to them. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 7, write that down. Look those up later. We don't have time now. But there are armies of demons which hate us. They hate us because we receive the grace never offered to them. That's a whole nother sermon that we could really get into. That would be good. We're in a struggle. We're in a poly. We're in a, a wrestle. We're wrestling with them. They are huge. They are powerful. We are no match for them in our own strength. So we must stand in the Lord. Verse 13. Therefore, take up the full armor of God. Take up the full armor of God that you may be able, may be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. In the armor, resist and stand firm. Resist and stand. Just like I wouldn't go diving without my without every piece of my diving gear, I wouldn't go into battle with the devil and demonic forces unless I was utilizing every piece of the battle gear that God has provided for each and every one of us. We've got to be equipped. We must be equipped for the fight of our lives. Stand firm after putting on and taking up the armor. Each piece refers to either who God is or what he has done for or given to us. These are positional truths. These things are already true. We simply need to utilize, we simply need to stand upon, we simply need to live in the things that God has given us. Ephesians 6.14, stand firm therefore, having girded your loins with truth. The belt of truth, the belt of truth, true truth, God's truth, God is true. 1 John 5.20, and we know that that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding in order that we might know that he he who is true, and we are in him who is true, in his Son Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. True, true, true. Got to know it's true. And then John 14, 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. I am the way the truth, and the life. Okay, in the latter part of verse 14 in in your Bibles, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate of righteousness, Christ's righteousness. Philippians 3, 9, and that I may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. We need to have that breastplate on. It's his breastplate. There's no holes in his breastplate. But we do have to be depending upon it. We do need to be wearing it in the battle with Satan. Okay. Then Ephesians 6.15, Having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, the boots 
of the gospel of peace, how to have peace with God, Romans 5.1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, some would say that the boots mean that the gospel need to be traveling and we need to be, have our boots on so we can hike around with the scriptures. But actually, that is not the picture that is here. These boots are cleated boots, like shoes or boots that are worn on the football field in order to be able to get traction, in order to be able to stand. Because battles in the ancient world were like the pushing contests on the football field. When the lines clash after the ball is snapped, those guys are standing and pushing on one another, and if the defensive line pushes the offensive line back, Nothing happens with the offense, but if the offensive line can push the defensive line back, then there's going to be progress that's made. That's the way it was in the battle. So pushing contest with sharper implements and death and all the rest. But but it's basically the same kind of thing. And they had to wear cleated spike boots in order to be able to get traction. And that's what that is. Okay, and then verse uh, verse 16 in addition to all, taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming missiles of the evil one, the shield of faith which the Lord provides. Romans 12.3, for, uh, for through the grace given to me, I say to every man among you not to, look, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment as God has allotted to each a measure of faith as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. You didn't make up that faith. You didn't, you didn't do that. That was something that God gave to you. He allotted to you. And we need faith every day for our lives. So that's what God is doing. Um, and now, each of these four pieces of armor that we've been given up to this point, there's only been one command. That command has been to stand firm. All the verbs having to do with the four pieces of armor thus far have been parsable, so they support the main thing. So stand, having done this, stand, having put on that, having stand, having... you, you understand how those pieces of armor were simply in order to be, facilitate standing? But then just before you go into battle separated by the fact that now this is another command, another imperative verb in, in verse 17. The last two pieces of armor are the most important ones, the ones you put on or the ones you grasp just before the battle begins. So grasp the two most vital pieces of, of equipment as you go into battle. Ephesians 6:17. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. The helmet of salvation that God has saved us. 1 Thessalonians 5.8 But since we are of the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. I don't know about you, but I look forward to the day when we will be with the Lord. And that is when salvation will be completely fulfilled, when it will be uh, completed. Right now, in um, the old man in me, the old man in you, has been killed with Christ on the cross. And the new man is, is alive. 
But we live, the real me inside of me, the real you inside of you, live in bodies that are not yet saved, that are not yet redeemed. I don't know about you, uh, um, but I don't want to live in a wheelchair in heaven. There will come a day when I can live once again on my feet and I will be able to stand and walk and jump, maybe even fly in heaven if I want to, I suppose. Scuba dive again if I really want to. Um, But that will be future. So that hope of salvation is future and that is what Jesus has provided for us. Jude 24 and 25. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless and with great joy, to the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. God is our Savior. We have the helmet of salvation. Okay, and then we have, uh, at the end of verse 17... Uh, and and the sword of the Spirit we are to grasp, which is the Word of God. The sword of the Spirit, the spoken word, the rhema of God. Normally you think of word as logos. This is not logos. Logos is what is written for us, the ideas, the re- reality of Scripture. Rhema is when you take that word and you speak it forth. When Jesus was tempted by the devil in the wilderness, he spoke forth the word. This is the rhema of God. The sword of the Spirit, Romans ten seventeen. So faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word, the rhema toss, rhema, same word, just different ending, rhema toss of Christ. For, uh, Hebrews four twelve. for the word, logos, that's the basis of the rhema, the word, of, the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the vision of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So now we have the entire armor and we're to stand in that armor being strong in the Lord. But what are we supposed to do while we're standing in the armor and uh, about ready to fight the demonic forces, devil and the demonic forces. Well, that's what verses 18 to 20 are about. And that's what Pastor Matt wanted me to talk about, not this passage particularly, but this topic. What we are to be doing while we're standing. We're supposed to, uh, what, what, we're supposed to be praying and being on the alert through, at, in, and for all. All is mentioned four times in verse 18. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit, and with this in mind, in, the, in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. Through all prayer and entreaty, with is literally through all, every kind of prayer. And there are lots of kinds of prayer, and we'll just review some of them. First is adoration, Nehemiah 1.5. And I said, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who preserves the covenant and loving kindness for those who love him and keep his commandments. We are to adore him. We are to submit to him, Luke 22.42, the words of Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane. 
saying, Father, if thou art willing, remove this cup from me, yet not my will, but thine be done. That's submission. Confession. Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 6. Let thine ear now be attentive, and thine eyes open to hear the prayer of thy servant, which I am praying before thee now, day and night, on behalf of the sons of Israel, thy servants, confessing the sins of the sons of Israel, which have sinned against thee, I and my father's house have sinned. Verse 7. We have acted very corruptly against thee, and have not kept the commandments, nor the statutes, nor the ordinances which thou didst command thy servant Moses. You get the sense that he was sick because of the sin that they had sinned and he wanted to confess it before them. And then claiming spiritual uh, scripture promises. Nehemiah 1.8, he continues, Remember the word which thou didst command thy servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. That's what happened. And, but if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, Though those of you who were who have been scattered were in the most remote part of the heavens, I will gather them from there and will bring them to the place where I have chosen to choose, uh, chosen to cause my name to dwell. Verse 10. And they are thy servants and thy people whom thou didst redeem by thy great power and by thy strong hand. Uh, he's basing his request that's coming up on what God has promised in his word. So he's claiming God's promises. Then intercession, Job 42.10, And the Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he prayed for his friends. And the Lord increased all that Job had twofold. So he prayed for his friends. We need to intercede for other people. Thanksgiving, Philippians 4.6, Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God. That with thanksgiving. And then mourning. Nehemiah started out after he heard about the destruction of the city of Jerusalem. He responded, Now it came about, in verse 4, that I heard these words, when I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. And I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Fasting is an intensified form of prayer. Apparently, his prayers were brought about because of the mourning, so his mourning was involved in his prayer. And then supplication and petition, that seems to come naturally to us when we pray. Nehemiah 1.11, after all the preparation, he gets to the request in verse 11. O Lord, I beseech thee, may thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant, and the prayer of thy servants who delight to revere thy name, and make thy servant successful today, and grant him compassion before this man. Now I was cupbearer to the king. His whole point, as he prayed and prayed and prayed, was that God would give him, uh, God would give him mercy in the sight of the king as he came to him, and that's what chapter two is about. Nehemiah, great book. If you haven't read Nehemiah lately, I want to urge you to read it. The most important chapter is chapter one. The second most important chapter in Nehemiah is chapter seven, after the walls are rebuilt. Fantastic book, really good. Okay, uh, in petition we have we have a Father in Heaven who wants to hear from us. In Matthew 7, uh, 7 through 11, it says this, Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and, ye, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened to you. For everyone who, who asks, receives. And he who seeks, keeps on seeking, finds. 
And to him who knocks, keeps on knocking, it will be open, it shall, it shall be opened. Or what man is there among you when his son shall ask him for a loaf, will give him a stone? You wouldn't do that as a father. Or if he shall ask for a fish, he will not give him a snake, will he? No. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask him? He'll give us what's good. It may not be exactly what we ask for, but he'll give us what's good. James chapter 4, verses 13 to 15. We need to be in submission to God's will. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we shall go to such and such a city and spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit. Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and also do this or that. 1 John 5.14 And this is the confidence which which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. God wants us to pray according to his will, then he'll be free to answer our prayers and to give us what we seek, because it's what he wills. Okay, verse 18. The first all we've looked at, which is all with, um, with all prayer and petition, then pray at all times in the Spirit. Praying always like a nagging cough. You don't cough. It's not one long, continuous cough. There's a cough. <laughs> then you may go along a little while, a couple of minutes later. <laughs> Every time you cough, it should be a prayer. A prayer should be interspersed throughout the entire day. Um, literally on all occasions, in every season and in the Spirit. Always, but not nonsense. First Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing. Same thing, like a cough. Matthew chapter 6, verse 7. And when you are praying... Do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. Do not pray in a by-rote meaningless manner. You can pray the same thing. Just make sure that you're doing so in a manner that where you are actually talking to God and not just repeating yourself meaninglessly. And then we need to pray in the Spirit. This does not mean to pray in tongues. This means to pray in a meaningful manner in agreement with God's will as the Spirit leads. And in the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness in verse 26 of chapter 8 of Romans. For we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. If you are praying in concert with the will of God, you're praying in the Spirit. If you're praying in the Spirit, you will pray in a manner that is pleasing to God because it's in, in accord with His will. Also, we pray with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit, and with, with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance, with all perseverance and petition. Being on the alert, keeping watch with all perseverance and petition. Luke 18, 1. 
Now he was telling them a parable to show that at all times they ought to pray and not to lose heart. We need to pray with perseverance. Don't give up. Don't give up. Always pray. God will hear. I always remember uh, Audrey Hendren. Audrey Hendren was the mother of a friend of mine that I met in kindergarten. She prayed for me for 10 years before I came to Christ. Imagine if she'd only prayed for one year, five years, nine years. She prayed for 10 years, and I came to Christ finally. I prayed for my mother for years to receive Christ. Every time she would come to California, she comes back like annually from Denmark. It's always a blessing and a not so much a blessing. But when she came, we would we would seek to share Christ with her, and I'm sure it was it was one of the more painful of the aspects of our visiting together when we would do that. But then after she was 80, we talked we talked about the Lord. My wife led her to faith in Christ. She prayed to receive Christ. That was a wonderful time. Please continue to pray. Don't give up. And then the last part of Ephesians 6.18, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times. There's a theme here. The word is all. Um, pray at all times in the Spirit. Um, uh, and with this in, my, in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints, for all the saints and also for the whole world. Not just yourself and your family, but your church family interceding for your church family and those who are not saved. Okay, praying on behalf of those who speak for the gospel as ambassadors. Ambassadors. Ephesians 6.19 And pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. Paul sought their prayers for himself for his missionary and evangelistic ministry that God could, would give the message to Paul. He wanted, he wanted a message. He wanted a logos. He wanted a, 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 a thought. Uh, he wanted a teaching. He wanted a message to give in the opening of his mouth to make known the mystery of the gospel with boldness. The key word is boldness, parousia. Um, the gospel is a mystery because it's Jews and Gentiles and one new man in Christ. He went over that in Ephesians 2 and 3. Uh, with boldness is to be outspoken, frankness, plainness, courage, confidence, boldness, fearlessness. That's how we need to be sharing Christ. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 20. For which I am an ambassador in chains that in proclaiming it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Paul was an ambassador in chains and he wanted to speak boldly. Ephesians is a prison epistle, one of the four prison epistles. It was written by Paul when he was imprisoned in Rome uh, at the end of the book of Acts. And he was in his own rented home, but he was chained there to uh, Roman guards. He was free to receive visitors, but he could not leave. That was a limitation. Paul was an ambassador, so are we. 2 Corinthians 5.20 Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were entreating through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. We are ambassadors 
for Christ. Paul was an ambassador in chains. That was a limitation. I am an ambassador in a wheelchair. That is a limitation, but I'm still an ambassador. Um, I, 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 my, my witnessing pool is limited to those who come to my door. Not many people come to my door because Temecula is death on salespeople, generally speaking. I think I had somebody come to my door who was pulling the old, uh, uh, I'm trying to use, I'm trying to learn skills for, in terms of public speaking. So I just want you to hear what I have to say and then I'll get points for college. And you know, it's a ridiculous scheme to sell magazines. It always is. So I interrupted her and I said, are you selling magazines? She said, well, I'm not going to tell you why. I'm Thank you. Goodbye. But I did have somebody on Wednesday come by, by our house, Melody, a representative of Renewal by Anderson, come to, uh, came to with camera in hand to uh, take pictures of our lovely Anderson windows that had been newly installed in our house. And I was glad to have her. I discovered as I was talking with her about the windows that she is a believer in Jesus Christ and that she lives locally and she's looking for a church. There's no good churches here. I said, there is. <laughs> and uh, I invited her to come to our church and she may even be here today. Is Melody here? Well, maybe in the third service. She wasn't in the first service either. Hope so. But we are all ambassadors. You're an ambassador too, unique and special in your placement, in your family, in your neighborhood, in your job with your abilities. You are God's ambassador. Paul repeated himself about boldness. He wanted to speak boldly, this time in a verbal form. Um, And uh, we are to also speak boldly, to speak freely about our relationship with Christ, to initiate fearless interactions about the need for forgiveness which Christ paid for on the cross. And then Paul says, we should speak with boldness. It was necessary for him to do that you think it's necessary for us to do that too? I do. Matthew chapter 28, 19 and 20, the Lord said, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Yep. The big idea is that we stand in the light of our lives, excuse me, in the fight of our lives, while you stand, pray. Let's pray. Let's let's spend some time in prayer. Would you pray right now for someone who might be here today who needs to transfer their trust to Jesus as their Savior? Does someone here need Jesus as their Savior? Is God speaking to you? Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We deserve to be separated from Him forever. It says in Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hebrews 9.27 And inasmuch as it is appointed for men to die once, and after this comes judgment. God loves us though, and he sent Jesus to die on the cross, so we do not need to be separated from him, from him forever. Romans 5.8 But God demonstrates his own love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. 1 Peter 3.18 For Christ also died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust, in order that he might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. All you need to do is to transfer your trust to Jesus and Jesus alone to save you. 
Acts 16, 30 and 31. And after he brought them out, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you shall be saved, you and your household. Titus 3, 5 gives us some specifics. He saved us not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit. If you need Jesus, if you need to be saved from your sins, if you need forgiveness, he can give it to you right now. All you need to do is pray with me. I'm going to pray, and if you want, if you want to receive Christ, you can pray in your heart quietly. God will hear you, and he will save you. God, I have realized that I've sinned, and I deserve to be separated from you forever in hell. But you sent Jesus to die for me, to pay for my sins. Jesus, please be my Savior. Save me. Thank you. Now, we want to pray together for a few moments, so uh, look at the screen. It says, pray for a believer you know. A friend, family member. A believer that you know. Choose one of the, two of the items on the list. I'm going to give you 12 seconds for each of you to pray those two requests, 12 for each, 12 seconds for each. And I want you to do that silently. So, do you have a person in mind? Nod your head up and down. Okay. Have you chosen two of these requests? Okay. Nod your head if you have. All right, let's go ahead and do it. Let's bow our heads and pray. Okay, now we're going to pray for someone you know who needs Christ. You see the list up on the screen? It's a little bit different. Choose someone that you know that it needs Jesus as their Savior. If you got that person in mind, nod your head. There's not many heads nodding up and down. Do you know people who are not saved? All right, choose one of those people. Just one. Now look at the screen and choose two of those requests. If you get down further in the list, they get more interesting. Have you got your two requests in mind? For the person that you have in mind. This is where you're supposed to be nodding your heads, I hope. Okay. Let's take a moment and pray for that person. Let's pray. Okay, then the third prayer that I want you to do, there's another list up on the, on the uh, screen. This is where we pray for Pastor Matt. This is the whole reason why I preached this sermon today. I asked Matt what he would like me to pre- preach on. He said, well, I, need, I, I sense the real need for prayer. Just like Paul asked for prayer from the Ephesians, so Matt is asking for your prayers. So for Pastor Matt, you know who Pastor Matt is. Everybody nod your head up and down. Okay. Um, choose two of these requests. I'll give you 12 seconds for each. Have you got the requests in mind? Nodding your head is a good way of letting me know. You've got the, okay, good. All right, let's pray for those two items. Pray for the first one. Would you please pray daily, maybe even several times a day for our pastor, for Matt, for Pastor Matt. This is why I preach this passage. He senses the need for our prayers for him and also for the rest of the staff 
and for our church family who minister and the ministry of our church family. If you would pray for those things, that would be really good. Oh, Father, keep us praying. Continue to answer our prayers according to your will. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for being with us today. It's always a pleasure to serve you with this CD ministry. And here at Rancho Baptist Church, our mission is to glorify God by making disciples who love God, love others, and live to reach their world for Christ. And if you have any questions regarding this sermon, or just perhaps knowing God in a deeper way, don't hesitate to give us a call. Our phone number is area code 951-676-2911. Or you can reach us on the web at www.ranchobaptistchurch.org. That's www.ranchobaptistchurch.org. Have a great day in the Lord, and God bless you as you continue to walk with Him.